and welcome to Manifesting Magic in Your Everyday Life with Kathleen on WSOS 103.9 FM St. Augustine, 95.5 FM Ponte Vedra Beach in Nocatee, and from anywhere on stagustineradio.com. I have with me today, I am super excited, Eugenia Kuzmina is here with me today. How are you, Eugenia? Hi, I'm so great. I'm so excited to be here with you. So how is the weather out there in California? You know, it's changing. I can only say it's better than Siberia, and anything <laughs> is warmer than Siberia. You know, I, I told myself I can never complain about the weather. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I wake up every day like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's really nice here. It's sunny and, you know, very fresh. Right, yeah. Yeah, we got the, some we got the sun in Florida today too. We had a little bit of a cool snap, which was unusual, but it's okay because we'll take it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's hot all year long anyway, kind of like California. Yeah, I was say it's yeah, a little cold. A yeah. little cold for Florida, but I, I kind of resonate with Eugenia. I'm from Wisconsin, so this is kind of child's play. So, Eugenia, <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Eugenia, but first I wanted to let Eugenia and everybody out there know that I have my co-host with me, Caitlin, today. So if you hear the voice that doesn't sound like mine or Eugenia's, that's Caitlin. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi. Um, okay, so let me guys tell you guys about Eugenia. So, Eugenia Kuzmina, which is an awesome sounding name, isn't it? It's beautiful. It, it like that's rhymes. actually when you first told me about her, I, that's the first thing I thought was, wow, her name is beautiful. <laughs> it's like an awesome <laughs> name. Um, she's Thank a Russian American supermodel and she transitioned into Hollywood actress and comedian. So, as a model, she's worked with Cartier, Armani, Dior, L'Oreal. Max Amara, I mean, there the list goes on here, and I will put this exactly. on the page. Um, she's appeared on the covers and the pages of Vogue, Marie Claire, Cosmopolitan, British GQ, L, Self Shape, Glamour, Harper's Bazaar. Again, so many things. And um, Dirty Grandpa, you were in, Rock the Casbah, Bad Moms, Tough Guys, etc. So we're just going to say etc. because I know there's a lot more. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And like I said, we'll put her website on here, too, because you just want to check out her stuff. The thing that I just think is even more awesome than how nice she is, is that, Eugenia, you've went from being a model to an actress, Mm -hmm. and now you do stand-up comedy. So what made you do that transition? You know, I never planned to do that. I just kind of fell into that. Um, And it's really interesting because... When I started acting, I really wanted to find my voice. And uh, the thing is, in Hollywood, there's still, like, pretty typical roles for Russian-speaking actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I started playing. It was really interesting, but I really wanted to grow. I wanted to be more diverse. And I remember I was doing Fading Gigolo, uh, this film in New York with John Turturro and Woody Allen. And I was thinking, my God, like, I really wanted to stage, you know, but there's still not enough roles for somebody with an accent and then I realized that Woody's doing stand-up and I was like well that's the stage you know and here you go it's live so of course I didn't know what I was getting into (laughs) but I get into it and uh, to be honest I really fell in love with the whole experience and it never really stops you know it's it's an amazing journey and I love every person in the audience and I learned so much about everything, you know. Yeah, because so it's, it's different than obviously modeling and acting, but you're still doing that all together. So you're doing all yeah. three. Yeah, I think it's 
you know, I don't want to be like categorized as a person who's doing one thing, mm-hmm. just because I feel, you know, creative pursuits, you can find them in any, you know, outlet. You can draw, you can sing. Um, that's the only thing I can do. <laughs> um, or do comedy. So, yeah. so, yeah, I think there's many things you can find. And so what are your, your okay, so I know um, you live in Los Angeles with your husband. He's the CEO mm-hmm. now of Miramax. But you also have three children. So how does that work with the schedule, with your busy schedule? It works great. You know, actually, I, I would say the most important lesson that I learned is being okay with being imperfect. Mm-hmm. And there's no one way to parent, uh, no matter how many books you'll read on, you know, advice or <laughs> whatever classes you take and I did take a lot of classes (laughs) with my first one but it still never prepares you for what to come and I think if you first of all just listen to your intuition I think you're pretty wired to to know what you're doing and then I think time management wise like it's it's important of course and also just uh, realizing living kind of like moment to moment, you have to be present in one thing, but then, of course, you will sacrifice something else. So, right. you know, as long as you don't put like super, super high expectations on yourself by yourself, I think you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah, kind of going with the flow, right? Having an expectation, meaning planning, but then if that plan doesn't go exactly as planned, you're okay with it because you kind of, you always have a backup plan. Yeah, yeah. And it took me some time, you know, because... I come from a place like, you know, Russia, and I was working since I was a kid. So I was like, yeah, I'll be super responsible. And then, you know, the, that thing where like, oh, I'm late here on my work, and then I can't pick up my kids. And, you know, I think you just have to work through um, accepting, you know, your life as it changes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you did come from, when did, at what age did you come over from Russia? I moved to Paris when I was 15. Um, so, you know, I kind of started working at 13 here and there, but it wasn't so serious. I was in school and then I was homeschooled and I I went to Paris at 15 and then at like 21, I moved to New York and, uh, but you know, as a model, you always travel, you like literally every day on the plane. Mm -hmm. So when you homeschooled in Russia and you moved over to Paris. What did you do then? You just continued on, or you were already finished with school by then because you were sixteen? Um, yeah, I was studying. You know, I I was lucky in that sense because I think when other girls have time to like go party and do other things, I I knew that I had to pass my exam. Yeah, <laughs> so I was a good girl. It was like going home, pretty boring, but <laughs> but I think it saved me from you know a lot of mistakes like when I was a teenager. Well, that's how you got to where you are because I know um, you and I talked and met when I was in Los Angeles and we really resonated with each other because we were talking about following your intuition and that's something that you Mm -hmm. do in your life with your family, with your job. And when you were younger and you wanted to pursue modeling, there, there were people that were telling you that that wasn't the thing to do. Well, you know, there was no business in Russia at that time. Mm-hmm. It just kind of started happening. Like, the companies started to come, like Coca-Cola and L'Oreal to Russia, but there were no agencies. Like, nobody knew how much you're going to get paid. So, mm-hmm. so like, you know, people, and like, it was a little dangerous, I think. You know, my yeah. mom was like, well, they're going to take you, and, like, you're going to finish without passport dancing in some, you know, other country than Paris. So, 
but my agency in Paris is really nice. Like, I'm really grateful for Natalie Model. She's an amazing mentor, somebody who I still keep in touch. And, you know, she invited my mom to come. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, and we checked that it was all legitimate. I was paid and, you mm-hmm. know, it was a job. So, so it, but, yeah, it took some time to for my parents to actually, you know, agree, for my mom to agree to Right. You know, to pursue it. Yeah. And so you took that, you know, I we talk about that in the 30-Day Self-Perception Makeover book, the inspired action, that you felt it was right, mm-hmm. and you went for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. You know, I, I thought it was more something that suited me. I was very curious child in school, so I, I never liked to sit still, and I think I was a little bit of a trouble for my teachers <laughs> in that sense. So I felt like if I travel a lot like I learned much more from that and um, you know it, it just yeah it felt right well so I want to mention one more thing before we go into some of uh, I know that you did the 30-day self-perception makeover which I'm super excited to hear what you thought about that and how you went through mm-hmm. it but um, you had said that you've always felt a little bit out of the box mm-hmm. so what made and you've used those uniqueness you've used your uniqueness to actually blossom into what you are today and I know you passed yeah. it on to your kids. So what kind of feelings did you have when you felt like you were always the one outside of the box? And what got you to get over that hurdle, some would say, to keep well, going? Yeah, I think I think there were so many boxes that I needed to check. And, uh, you know, I would start doing things like people-pleasing and trying to, to be what other people wanted me to be. And, of course, that would create a huge amount of guilt and shame, you know, because you can never fulfill other people's expectations. Um, And, you know, just after a while, I started working on myself. And I'm still working to this day, you know. It's a constant process, yeah. Yeah, exactly, you know, to to be okay. And I think comedy, like laughter and writing stand-up really helped me to, you know, to start healing myself in that sense that, you know, maybe I don't fit into a category. Like, I started acting when I had kids, so people said, like, what are you doing? You know, like, modeling, I was talking too much for a model. <laughs> there were so many things that, you know, that I had to, like, start working on through comedy and accepting that I'm different and, you know, just sharing that. And I think we all have those, you know, thoughts and, like, how we act upon them is what's important. Yeah, I think life would be a lot easier if we could go through it with blinders. <laughs> and just go with what you feel. Right. Because, yeah. we, you know, we do have to learn tunnel vision, like what tunnel vision is. And I think that's what, you know, other mm-hmm. people's expectations are kind of like those outliers that make you pause and have to look to the side or, you know, and that slows your trajectory. It slows you down. And it's something that you have to recover from. Like you said, it causes shame and guilt because really we're packaged on this earth to do what we need to do. What we need to do as people, not what other people need to do or want us yeah, to yeah. do. Yeah, no, that's right. So you're always going to really, I mean, disappointment is kind of part of life, but that's theirs to own. And I think that's, it's kind of taking away the ownership of whether or of not course. it makes this person unhappy. It's none of my business mm-hmm. because I have stuff to do, you know? Yeah, of course. And especially as a parent, you know, like you have to be really strong to kind of stand, you know, on your own and say, like, this is what I feel is right for my kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to know yourself, too, and to act upon that. Yeah, because, like, it's your intuition. You know what's best for your kids. You, you yeah, exactly. Do. 
and you can't even yeah, explain yeah. it. It's it's that mother's intuition. It's a knowing, and you're just like, eh. When somebody says something you don't agree, you're like, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going with this yeah. one. And I think that that goes along with what you've learned through your life, right? Not be not being able to always make everybody else happy, just like Caitlin said. Yeah. That's sort of that. Yeah, but and I love that you. Well, I think it's kind of funny that you talk too much for a model because I'm thinking. <laughs> because I, I mean, it is funny. Uh, Kathleen should go into modeling. <laughs> I actually did. I was I modeled when I was younger, like I was a teenager. Say, were you a fitness model? Um, well, you know, I, it was more like magazine stuff because I'm not that tall. Oh, okay. okay, I wasn't going down the runway, mm-hmm. but I did always talk a lot. But, well, not when I was really here. Anyway, but I think that that's interesting that you noticed that and that you didn't just stop talking. You just found another well, outlet for it, right? So with acting and then comedy and then yeah. you can still do the modeling, but yet you have the time to talk doing your other things. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because I was fired from so many jobs just for talking too much in the beginning. <laughs> and then, like, I went through a very silent period and then, you know, I was like, I need to talk again. <laughs> But, you know, when I when I see those, um, you know, the beautiful women, men that are, you know, on the runways and things like that, they don't ever talk. Like, everybody has the same look, and, and they're beautiful, and they've got these amazing clothes on, but I, you don't get a sense of their personality. It's true, you know, and, like, I think it, it just takes a lot of effort on your side. I know, mm-hmm. like, a lot of times models are perceived, like, oh, your life is perfect, everything is perfect, but... A lot of my model friends who I took to acting classes, they're like the shyest people, you know, because they're just not used to to talking that much and, you know, expressing themselves. So it's very interesting dichotomy that, you know, unless you're in the business, like you wouldn't think about it. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't. But like I said, when you mentioned that, I thought, you know. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say, though, that people that are outside of the box are the ones that tend to break the mold? Yeah. You know? That's what yeah. I say. I, I mean, so... You know, I, and they set a trend. I mean, they they are the new um, mold, essentially. Yeah, so, like, there's these amazing models up on stage now, right, on the runways that see yeah. Eugenia, and they're like, okay, now I like to yeah. talk, so I'm going to follow in her footsteps. Eugenia, I think you need to go on with your bad self. I know, that's right. <laughs> that's what Girl. she's doing. I know. That is what she's doing. And I will tell all of you guys, like, take a look at Eugenia's website. I have watched your comedy reels. They're hilarious. So if when you come to Florida, like I told you before, you've got to let me know. Next time I get out there, if you're on one, I would love to go watch live. So you're you're funny. I mean, you're just innately funny. Um, so that is, as you know, a compliment, especially when you're a comedian. And I've seen your acting as well. And that's good, too. So I'm so glad that you got off the stage all the time as far as the runway so that in the pictures so that you can we can actually get to know your personality because that's just what the best part about everybody right well people yeah, who live authentic so. who are authentic to themselves tend to be outside of the box anyways yeah <laughs> because they yeah. don't fit into any script i mean right. we all have fingerprints we're all unique it, it really is it stands for that we are all unique therefore mm-hmm. we're going to bring something different into the picture it's very rare i think unless you squeeze yourself into someone else's like you said expectation mm-hmm. that you really are able to be comfortable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think we, you know, I educate my kids about that too, like all the time, you know, my daughter and like, it doesn't matter, like, you know, follow whatever you think, you know, your heart tells you. I mean, not of course, to the extent, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that's important because not all parents are doing that. I think I, I want to believe 
from the things I see and read that more and more are doing that these days. But I don't know that that's really the case. I feel like we're still in the minority of that, um, of mm-hmm. encouraging our children also to follow your intuition and explaining to them what their intuition actually is. What does your intuition feel like? Because if you've never been explained that as a child, you're not going to know. You know, you're going to, yeah, you're just going to think it's your mind telling you things or somebody, you know what I mean? I, I think it's really important to know the difference between that. So I'm, you know, thank you too. And the other parents out there that are teaching their kids about what their intuition is and when to follow it. Yeah. I think that's so important with, with parenting. Cause I mean, really even adults don't learn it. I mean, but Mm -hmm. to value your own gratification over that of someone else's. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Because and if yours you know, is more important. Go ahead, Eugenia. Yeah. yeah, I think, like, if you're in show business and, you know, if you're, like, an actor or something, you you just can't do that because, you know, you always, you can't leave out of, like, if people like what you do, if people don't like what you do, you just kind of learn about it. You know, you just have to do what you need to do. And I'm sure in your business, um, well, any of the entertainment business, there's a lot of, like you said, expectations, but there's a mold that a lot of people try to fit into. And when they don't, they could, they start feeling down about themselves and they, you know, let's, let's talk about healthy self-perception because then they don't have a healthy self-perception, right? Because they just That's feel when your down. book comes in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, this is why we talk about the 30 day self-perception makeover, but, um, was there a favorite day? Because the book goes instead of chapters, they're called days, 30 days. Is there a favorite day that you had or one that you thought was stood out the most? You know, it's interesting. I really like that you broke it by like 30 days because I really think it takes our brain some time to, you know, to wire new information. So Mm -hmm. it was really nice. I wouldn't say I had like one specific chapter that, you know, stood out, but of course it's really interesting to, to take that time and, you know, to work on, like, your thought process. And, you know, also I realized, like, you will always have positive and negative thoughts. Like, it, it, it doesn't go away. It's just part of being human. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to, like, write things on paper and then, you know, how you rephrase that and look at it back. So I, I think there's definitely a lot of interesting details in your process, you know, and I like that you can like write it down in the book and look back at it. So definitely as you change, I think it's, it's a book that you can use like over years. Oh yeah. I mean, I always encourage people to do it every six months because that's the amount of time it usually takes your ego self or the outside world to take back Mm -hmm. over those things that you're believing in your subconscious mind. And that's what I love about the writing down because by you writing it, thinking it, visualizing, feeling, you know, all of that, you're using all those different parts of your brain, which is therefore reprogramming your subconscious mind. So that's why we're working on the teen version now, actually. And then we have a preteen version because like we just talked about with your kids, you know, the earlier they can learn this, even if they don't listen to it all the time, they know that they have those little tricks in their back pocket, right? You got to start them young. (laughs) We got to start them young. That's right. That's true. I mean, yeah, one of my favorite things was like a letter to like, what are you grateful for? So, you yeah, know, I love that. It, it just, it just takes you out of like your everyday, like worries and everything. And it just gives you like a bigger perspective on, you know, on everything. Yeah. That's always one of my favorite parts. And the reason why I love it so much too, is because I'll to this day go back and reread my letter because those mm-hmm. days that are just kind of like, mm, you know, you know, there's amazing things in your life. You know, there are, 
But sometimes you just have to remind yourself. So you've already written that letter and taken the time. So just going mm-hmm. back and rereading it because you have it down on paper. You didn't just think it. And it really mm-hmm. helps you to relive it again and raise those energy vibrations. That's true. That's true. You know, I do want to ask you, well, what did you think about the laughter? Let's go there real quick. Because day 13, we okay. talk about laughter. And since you are a, a comedian, too, I really love comedy. And I, it really uplifts everybody, right? Laughter just gets you into that whole other state. I'm addicted to YouTube <laughs> comedy, <Go to> comedy. <laughs> sketches. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll just sit there and laugh and laugh because laughter is, is healing. It's even been scientifically proven. And I know that I have the links that are in the book in day 13 because I wanted to make sure. I mean, I knew that it worked, but also some people like that scientific evidence behind it and there is scientific evidence behind laughter so when you go out there on that stage and you are doing those comedy skits Mm -hmm. and whatever kind of comedy you're doing you are helping every single one of those people in the audience oh yeah absolutely that's how I feel you know and um, it's almost like it's a strange feeling because when you start doing comedy like you still are a little bit self-conscious you know but you can be there because (laughs) it's not about you at all Right. So I always, I almost feel like there's like some kind of light that comes from me and then like it's not about me and it's like, you know, there's like a higher purpose. I really, it's amazing. It's like a spiritual experience really for me, you know, and uh, connecting on that level with people and laughing and yeah, it's absolutely healing process. Well, and I, I feel like especially now in these days of like, there's so much news and there's so much mm-hmm. things that happen, like the comedy clubs are sold out all the time which is amazing that is awesome that's good for you comedians as well that's very interesting too that is very interesting because people aren't just watching it on youtube they're actually going to the comedy shows yeah 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 it's been great i feel like you know there's nothing like a live thing because you can't edit anything no that's right that's why we love this live radio show it is what it is yeah would you say exactly. it's there? It's there. It's already said. Um, and then we break it down to podcasts, so then it's always there. Um, but, yeah, I love the way that you lift people's spirits through laughter. And, like you said, it comes naturally to you. It's like a spiritual experience. So you are taking your natural gifts that you were born with, and you're following it. And that's what makes what you do so amazing. That's why people love to come watch you because they feel that. They know that you're just not up there because it's a job. You're up there because you truly love to be there. I think truth is funny just in general. You know, a lot of times like in social situations, somebody would ask if I can tell a joke and like it's so hard for me because comedy is not about that, you know. Yeah. It's like it's really very different and I think, you know, the perception of like what it is. It's actually really funny, but you have to be really courageous and Talk about things that, you know, are really personal and you, like, a lot of times wouldn't talk about that. Right. But that's what makes it funny because, like you said, it's the truth. It's real. It's like real-life stuff. And most people's real-life stuff, I mean, not obviously not the down times of their real life, but some of it's just really funny. I know, like, the things that happen in my life on an everyday basis, if I just talked about it, we'd all be dying mm-hmm. laughing because it's just is what it is when you've got a family, too. <laughs> There's stuff that it's happens. Sad. You're like, what? Um <clears throat> But I love the way that you get up there and do that because I know that people, you're really doing everybody justice up there. So, yeah, yeah, that's about the laughter part of the 30-day self-perception makeover. I really think it is so important for everybody to get out and make yourself laugh. Go go to a comedy show 
And if you're anywhere, are you guys touring around the whole United States or what, where do you, what are you doing? Are you just in LA? Yeah, right now? we just started. Yeah. You know, because like I, I felt when I started doing comedy, it was such a like individualistic sport, you know, <laughs> like a lot of times comedians wouldn't talk to each other because like somebody will steal your joke or whatever, <laughs> but I don't know. I wanted to create a community, you know, for me, it's so important and, uh, I found amazing comedians and, you know, we have such a great chemistry and I really wanted to go on tours. So I'm like, guys, let's go together. Like, we can't, I can't do it by myself. You know, I want to go with, you know, a few different people yeah. and um, we want to do it in unconventional places and just talk to people and also learn about different places of America because it's so diverse, you know, and living in LA, it's not at all a representation of, you know, the whole country. Right. So, yeah, we started, we went to Palo Alto and we went to Arizona and uh, we're planning to go to Vegas next. Okay, but you'll, you'll be making your way over to the East Coast? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> of course. Okay, because Caitlin and I, maybe we get Kathy. Road trip. From behind the thing. <laughs> okay, right, get ready. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be awesome. Actually, and I'm just going to plug this, we live in St. Augustine, Florida and it is a huge tourist town. Um, okay. like it is, well, and you may not know this, but you may. It is the oldest city in the nation. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes. We also have the most trolleys. We do. We have <laughs> trolleys. It's actually, truly, it is a very, look it up on everybody. If you're listening to this and you are not local, look up stagustine.com. Because, I mean, That's so romantic. Yeah, I mean, it is actually a lot of people. Come, um, this is like one of the actually, what was it, travel? I mean, it's, it's been so many times on the top 10 of the top wedding destinations. Um mm. Top beaches, top this. I mean, because it's yeah, a tourist place. Especially, especially in the spring and fall, you'll see brides by the lions. Like we have a very large lion statues, and you'll see Called brides the lions and bridge. grooms. Yeah, at the lions <laughs> bridge. <laughs> um, okay, but the reason why I'm telling you this is because we would love for you to come to St. Augustine, and I mean, we've got some places you could even do. Yeah. I mean, we have so many. This downtown area. Um, it's historical, so it's awesome. Just write it down. Take a look at it. You will not be disappointed. And okay, like we're I said, it is, <laughs> we're the, it is the oldest city in the nation. And, like, it's always packed with tourists, <laughs> isn't it, guys? That's amazing. Yes, very much. We know that because we get stuck behind the traffic. And we love the tourists. Oh. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's great for the economy, not so much for my pigeons. Yes. <laughs> at, like, 5 yeah. o'clock p.m. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I'm excited that you're going to get over to the East Coast. So we will hold you to that and keep looking at your schedule. Um, Okay. So I'd like to ask you, what would you tell your 25-year-old self if you, when you looked back, like what advice would you give your 25-year-old self of what you know today to help yourself at 25? Um, Well, I would definitely say it's really important to take time for myself too, you know, because I honestly was, like, in caregiver mode since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was always like, oh, I'm last, I'm last. And then you have kids, you know, and, like, whatever. I have kids in my early 20s. So I, you know, I would say just relax and it's okay to, you know, it's really important, actually, to take time for yourself. I would say that. And also, um, yeah, I mean, trust your intuition. I think that, that just goes all the time. Yeah, I think that's a big one, right? As you, if you're at an age, and I say this because there are some people that I, I've run across that are 40, 50, 60, and they still don't trust their intuition. But once you get that, the earlier you can learn it, 
Oh my gosh, doesn't that just get you on your path that you were meant to be on in your life just that much faster? Absolutely, yeah. I think the most the two things you you know you can buy are like health and time and love. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you know it's really it's really important to to come from there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that I, I totally agree with you. I think I would tell my that's one of the things I would tell my twenty five year old self. Although that was around the age I was starting to really get my intuition and follow it. But mm-hmm. if we can teach our kids that now, whatever age they are, gosh, you can even do that at like two and three, right? When they start doing something, you'd be like, so what do you really feel about it? What are you really thinking? I don't know. I think that's a dangerous question to ask a two-year-old. It is, but you, <laughs> but you know the right, you know, you know what's best for them, but let's see what they say. I mean, if they say, yeah, mom, it's really great to go jump off the couch into the, and you'd be like, you know, that's probably not the best choice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel but like I really that. want the cookie. Uh, my intuition is telling me cake. <laughs> Um, so I, I, anyway, all the parents out there, maybe not the two-year-old, but yeah, I still think it guys, I think you just have to go about it the right no, way. No, absolutely. Like, I th- I think it's especially, you know, t- true once, the, you know, they really get the hang of consequences, you know, like yeah. really understanding consequences. Um, and I mean, in addition to the intuition, I, if, you know, at 25, I would have told myself to stop apologizing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, feeling bad for things that were right for me that I did that may have affected someone else, you know, because I think I slowed down. It was right for me. You know, it felt right to me, but, you know, someone might not have wanted me to do it. But, you know, so I think that's something, too. And that goes right along with your intuition, Mm -hmm. because why apologize Mm -hmm. for something that your intuition is is telling you, like, this is the right thing to do? Yeah. So, Eugenia, um, before we let you go, is that something that you thought? Because you said you were always a caregiver from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get into that feeling sometimes where you were doing things that you knew were right for you, but you ended up feeling like you had to apologize to other people because they would maybe be a little oh bit God. upset about it? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, and I'm working on it, but yeah, I was always like the biggest people pleaser who would always, because, you know, like if you're empathetic, you really feel what other people feel and like, you know, you try to to help them or whatever so I would always put other people's interests first and yeah of course I would always say sorry and mm-hmm. but when I started writing jokes about it like then I realized <laughs> there was some something that you know I might want to work on <laughs> yeah but now like you said it really has been like therapy to do the comedy and write jokes about some of the things that you've sure. gone through for sure yeah I, I love the comedy story because there's a stage and uh, one room has mirrors all over. So like literally you can't lie. You like turn somewhere and you look at <laughs> your reflection in the mirror. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot lie to yourself anymore because you are everywhere. <laughs> I do love that. So we should do with houses. Just have mirrors everywhere. Uh, I know, man. I don't want to see myself in the morning. <laughs> I wake up. I don't want to Listen, be- <laughs> if we have a healthy self-perception, you will look at yourself in the mirror and you will say, I love my eyes. I- <laughs> you will look at all of the good parts. I love you, but you don't need that bagel. <laughs> I think I think your relationships are your biggest mirrors, too, you know? Like oh, so true, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah, you can see all that. Well, Eugenia, it has been awesome to have you here with us. And we are going to be looking for you in St. Augustine doing comedy. Yeah. 
Yes. And um, I will put your all of your links on the post on this WSOS page and on my page, and Eugenia will uh, share it out. But I highly recommend you all to check out her page, which is EugeniaKuzmina.com. So... And also check out the book, you know, 30 Day Perception Makeover. Thank you, I really Eugenia. Love it. So thank you so much for... Yeah, so check out my book, The 30 Day Self-Perception Makeover, because I am telling you all, like, it really helps. It's a deal changer. It really is. Yeah, it really is. And when this teen and the mm-hmm. preteen book come out, the teen will be next, and we have been ro- rocking hard on that one. Yes, we have. Um, that's going to be really great for the high school ages. Mm-hmm. And Amazing. We'll be- throwing that out there so i know that you've yours yours would probably your kids would probably be more um well your daughter's probably not quite that age but preteen ish seven yeah she's seven yeah so a couple more years it gets there before you know it doesn't it yes i know holy cow so all right well eugenia um is there anything else that you would like to say i just want to you know say thank you so much and really a pleasure you know love your book and uh hope we stay in touch and you know you just like vibrate really bright so well thank you you do too you do too and also i will be putting out shortly i actually had a a nice talk with eugenia when i was out there in la and we filmed it so um and and eugenia has shared it once on her page as well so we're going to have that out a little bit more this will be downloaded into podcast and i have a feeling you guys are going to be hearing a lot more from eugenia so, yes, we will definitely be staying in touch, and um, I will be in touch to find out when you're going to be out this way, and I will be getting with you when I get out to L.A. next. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the night. You too. We're going to play your Bye. David Bowie for you as Good you night. leave. Good night. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. As founder and president of Hopeful Handbags International, a nonprofit 501c3 organization, I would like to ask that you donate your once loved handbags filled with necessities that will be donated to women getting back on their feet again, that have gone through down times, abuse, and homelessness. Never underestimate the power of hope. If you or your business would like to donate funds, necessities, become a drop-off location, or start a Hopeful Handbags in your area, Contact me at KathleenMiner.com and you too can give hope.